My name is Nazar Sayed. I have William Dojer with me today, a writer, TikTok star, book talk star um, from Charlottesville. Hello, William. How are you doing? Thanks, man. I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Quick question. Is this your first podcast? Yeah. Because I was look, I was going through the archives and I didn't find anything else. And I was like, has this man never done a podcast before? Because the way you're so eloquent on your YouTube channel that I'd be like, this guy definitely has something going on where he's talking to people. But I was so surprised that we're your first podcast. Yeah, no, um, I, I've gotten a couple of other smaller offers, but this seemed like a really good fit just because of our mutual interests. And so I definitely wanted to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, just off the record, we were talking about how I just didn't even know that you were working in the marketing side as I, as I am as well. My background is in marketing as well. And we were just going through how uh, we love our jobs. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. Got to pay the bills somehow. So, yeah, yeah no, that's, that's what I do, you know, nine to five, eight to six, depends on the week. But yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm four to 12. So that's a little bit worse, but I get the mornings yeah. to myself. So that I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good enough schedule, I guess. I have a coworker yep. who works in Europe, and so similarly, kind of different hours. Like, probably starts Same. at noon, gets off at ten p.m. Yeah, so I'm I'm working. So I'm in the East Coast in Toronto, but I work Vancouver side. So I work one to nine Vancouver time, which is four to twelve midnight Toronto time. So it sucks, but I get the mornings to myself, which I find are like the most productive anyways my writing's done in the morning i usually i'm scripting in mm -hmm. the morning so i feel like i kind of utilize the best part of my day for myself and then i give my work like the least right. effort that i have <laughs> right right yeah you're just on the decline from there my best hours are in the morning too and i i wish i did have more morning time i definitely could wake up a lot earlier than i do but yeah. um i get a little bit of reading done before work usually okay that's good yeah. It's a good like I'm having my first cup of coffee. I sit right yeah. here, this desk. Yeah. I'm in uh, I'm in my bedroom right now. But yeah, um, you know. And then I mean, not all of us can goggins our way through life like the way he does. Like it's insane. But I, we we try our best. We try our best. So let me just let me just roll it back a little bit. Um, because this is the first time we're speaking as well. So I want to know a little bit about your background. Tell me everything from high school to college where you went to school what did you study how did you get develop your interest in reading and writing give it to me all let's see let's see let's see how much of that overlaps in the venn diagram again yeah okay okay yeah this will be a good litmus test for us okay so <laughs> um my my interest in storytelling goes way like back way further than that like i was dictating to my parents before i could even write uh so that goes deep but late high school I realized not because I didn't like the people I went to school with. I, I loved a lot of my friends and, and really liked my town. I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where UNC is. Um, okay. I, I realized I wanted to kind of have a reset for college. Like I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone. And so I very easily could have stayed in town and gone to the university of North Carolina. It's literally like a mile and a half from the house that I grew up in there in Chapel Hill. Um, but I decided to go to the most comparable place possible. So I moved to Charlottesville and went to the university, okay. of Virginia. but it was enough distance where like I could visit over the weekend if I needed to, but I had a big buffer between myself and my parents. And that's where I really realized like the one integral part of like who I am that I truly could not change was writing. And I took this fiction writing class. 
um, it's a, it was like an intro level workshop, my second semester at UVA and, uh, and really just like put myself to the test. I wrote some of those are still that first submission. Um, those are still some of the best pages I've written in my life. And they're actually the seed pages for the story that I'm about to release later this year called Fumes. Yeah. So, oh, I'm so those, excited to talk about that. Yeah. So, so it goes, it goes, uh, back pretty far, but, um, at UVA, I majored in English and, uh, had some really good professors there, including, um, Chris Tillman is one that I, uh, definitely should shout out. Uh, he was kind of like, he was one of my main mentors. Elizabeth Denton is another who was a, like a, a really positive influence in my life. And those professors were, uh, more than professors. They were, uh, just, they were integral for my growth, honestly. Um, but I, and I love it here. So I stayed here after college, I ended up getting a, a marketing job here. And then <laughs> after, the, after the pandemic hit, most marketing jobs were remote anyway. And so I'm in, I'm in a different role now, um, for work and, uh, yeah, no, still, still in Charlottesville. I've been here for about eight years now. So do you, do you remember? Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's actually very cool. Yeah. So. Do you remember initially, like, what drew you to storytelling? Like, I'm pretty sure it was some book. For me, it was Harry Potter that was like, that's it. That's what yep. I want to do. And then and then there's a moment where you realize, hey, you know, these things just don't fall from the sky. There's a whole process to it. People actually write them. The first time I saw J.K. Rowling's picture, like, on the back of my Half-Blood Prince hardcover, I was like, she wrote this? I had no idea. And once yeah. that, like, computed, like, in my brain that this is a thing that happens, that people can do this... It was, there was no stopping me from there. So did you ever have that moment where you were like, oh my God, this is what I want to do? No, sir. I was obsessed with The Lion King and like other Disney movies when I was, when I was really young, like three, four. Yeah. So yeah. like in, I think we have videos of this probably, but like in like preschool class, I would be fixated on the TV and like the other kids would be like not really paying as close of attention, kind of goofing around. But, yeah. um, my attention span for stories was pretty much infinite from like a really early age. And, uh, for sure it was movies first, like even before books, it was movies. And then my parents just did like a really good job of reading with me. They started to, mm me uh, read every other page aloud at a pretty young age too. So um, The Hobbit and Harry Potter were um, some of those really early books that I read with them. And uh, yeah, no, it was off to the races from there. Harry Potter, obviously, like that was huge for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially in our generation. That was like the it book. It was. Yeah, no. And um, to pretend otherwise is like is you, you can't like that's that yeah, those yeah. were the biggest books. Um, but also the Aragon series was huge for me because Christopher Paolini was so young. Like I could yes. see, I could see myself getting to that level by that age. And then I got, then I got obsessed. It got yeah. a little, bit, it got a little bit intense, even in like, like late elementary, early middle school, I would be like, up at the crack of dawn or before I was, I was all I wanted to do was like write stories. I just like, couldn't get them out of my head. 
Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessive for sure. So what I'm hearing is, uh, which is very, very cool that you in the, at an early stage already had sort of like the passion is obviously necessary and so is the talent, but the most important thing that I've struggled with and I've noticed that you need to write is the work ethic. Like that's, that's what you need. And the fact that you're saying that you wanted to get up at like dawn and wanted to write from a, such a young age, talk about that a little bit. Like, do you, cause for me, the number one hindrance between me and like finishing a project is just procrastination. Um, the more time that I give a project, the more it builds up in my head. And the more it builds up, I want to do something else like read. Like I just, I just finished The Road by Cormac McCarthy and now that's in my head. I'm like, I should never pick up a pen. I can never write like this. This is, this is, it's over. And then, I, and then I'm in self-doubt. Like, do you have one of those cycles as if well? You, yeah. If we all compare ourselves to Cormac McCarthy, we're, we're never going to get anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you know that I, I love his stuff too. That's how it got uh, into your work. We can talk about that as well. Cool. Yeah. yeah I really we'll want there. to. <laughs> Um, but it, so I didn't have a good answer to this question until I was in college. And then, um, a really good friend of mine, we were roommates at the time. His name's Nikhil. Um, he asked me like, like why, like what my drive came from. Like, he just like, he like, didn't really get like why I was so hell bent on writing all the time. Cause, uh, we were fourth years in college, like about to graduate and um, a lot of other people were applying to jobs early because they were taking like engineering classes. And like amongst my friend group, I was one of the few who was like in some like real like artistic majors. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and I realized like the answer is super simple. If it's the main thing, if it's like my favorite thing to do, which it is, then like I'm willing to go to great lengths to prioritize carving out that time. And so that was easier to do in college when I was really busy, but not just absolutely slammed. And I will say that like being an adult and working like a real job, it does make it really tough. I fall mm -hmm. out of, I fall out of my routine constantly. It's a constant struggle to carve out that time. And I definitely write a lot less than I did in college. So what makes you go back to the page all the time? Like, because I feel like when there's enough, like, obviously stories, um, if you don't give them enough time and enough attention, they sort of start fading in your brain. So if, if you, you know how many times I've restarted my manuscript? At least 45 different times. <laughs> like version one, version two, version 35. And it's just like me going 15,000 words and then something happens in life or I lose the spark or I lose the steam that I had in the first 10 days and, and then it's over. The middle stretch is my area of difficulty like how do you get past that yeah and the, the short answer is i haven't because i like i haven't published a novel um yeah. i've i've written i don't even know how many words in my life but that 10 to 20k range that you described is the fall off point and yeah. so um the story that i'm going to be putting out later this year is not much longer than ten thousand words like it's it's in the, it's like about 50 pages and I doubt it'll okay. get much more than that. And the reason for that is because you have to be able to dedicate a lot of time to push through those middle phases there, depending on your process, you, that's the part you really have to work through because until you get to the true climax of your story and you're really confident in its structure and you know that you've gotten there and you've got like the material you need, 
you're not you're not going to be able to get over the hump and then and then finish a longer story um which i have done at younger ages but the writing of course is more juvenile when you're at a younger age so it's you know it's like not stuff that i would want to publish but um i've gotten reps i've gotten reps getting there like getting to the end just not anything that i would want to put out so what kind of a writer are you? Are you uh, a plotter? Like you have an outline, you know exactly where chapters one through six or one through 10 are gonna go? Or are you a discover as you write type of writer? I would love to be able to plot out the stories, but what I've found <laughs> is that I have too much fun with the process. And then uh, I just, I like want to go off the rails. So like for me, the quickest way to know where I'm not gonna go is to plot something out all the way to the end. I okay. really like the dance. I love being on that edge and like having to figure out like how I'm going to creative problem solve my way through the piece. And then yeah. when I get going and I get some flow, that that's the that's the like, you know, the part of the process that I just crave. I'm I'm very similar with as you are as well. Like I love to like write as I discover, uh but the problem with that that I've constantly run into is like the novel that I've been struggling to write for the past three years has all, the 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 issue that I keep facing is that the more time that I spend with these writers or these these characters, the more I know about them. And so there was this one, I think, version eight or nine, uh, where I was about twenty five thousand words in, and I realized that my main character had a stutter. And I was like, no, this guy has a stutter. Like he cannot talk. Like he has problems talking and then you can then go deeper into like his psyche and why he has this. So 25,000 words in, I realized this character has a stutter. I have to start all over again because I can't go back and just change because that just changes the whole dynamics of everything that he does. And so stuff like that really annoys me. So I tried uh, this time around with my final attempt, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I've sort of outlined the stuff that I know about my main character is, okay, this guy has a stutter, this guy has money, this guy's coming from a poverty, et cetera, et cetera. So I know a little bit about them and I'm not finding about, finding more about them as I'm writing because I can't keep going 25K in and be like, oh no, this guy has the, and like, it's just one of those things that's starting to become frustrating. And now I see why like a Khalid Husseini, who's also a discovery writer, takes like seven years to write a book. Cause I'm like, he definitely... Yeah knows that he doesn't know where he's going. So he's trying to find his way as well. And it can get frustrating, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Like, there's nothing worse than knowing your story is going to fail after you've gotten so stoked about it and that far in. Uh, How does your process differ for poetry? That's that's not... I I haven't ventured fully in that direction much. Poetry, so writing short stories, novels for me is complete perspiration. Perspiration. So it's like putting in the hours, putting in the reps, uh, putting in the time, carving that time out, like you said, the hour, hour and a half, whatever it may be. And poetry for me is complete inspiration. So uh, my first book uh, took me like three years to write. My second book took me six months to write. And my third one that I'm working on, again, has taken two to three years to write again. So it's one of those things where like, It'll, it's complete inspiration, which is why I feel like it's completely authentic. Apart from like the editing that I do afterwards, just to refine it a little bit, most of what I thought in the moment or was, what I was feeling in that moment is on the page. And that's completely different from short story writing or newsletter writing, which is like you write it down, you draft it, 
uh, you sit with it for a while, you edit it a little bit, try to you know maneuver it so it makes sense. Poetry for me, it's all feel, and 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 that's how it is. That's sweet. I I suggest you give it a try because it's a very it's a it uses a different kind of muscle when you're writing poetry. It's not the same as writing short stories or or um, or not novels as as we do. It's just completely like. Um, the muse is dictating you as as and you're not in control at all. Uh, in I am Muslim, so in Islam there's a there's a concept of spirituality where uh, things just come to you, right? It, it's it's a direct connection through you and the and the supernatural, subconscious, whatever you want to call it. I, I'm a big believer in that, and so is like uh, I was listening to who was I listening to? Uh, there was this uh, the guy who wrote uh, the War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. Oh, Stephen Pressfield, man. I yeah, yeah. It's out in it's out in another room. I thought I was going to be able to pull it right off of a shelf, but yeah, that no, would have been I, amazing. What a podcast moment that would have been. <laughs> that would have been that would have been fine. Yeah. But, uh, doesn't he refer to the like sources of inspiration more as like angels or something? Like I, exactly. I remember, I remember the back half of that book pretty well. Yep, the angels, muse, spirituality, whatever you want to call it. I don't think he's religious, so he doesn't necessarily yeah. call it oh yeah. like a like a thing from God. But like for me, it's like I I can feel that I'm not in control and I'm and I'm writing. And for writing poetry, also I don't use any technology. It's pen on paper, and if I don't have it, it's gone. It's like if I'm driving, yeah. if I'm listening to a song, it's gone. Man, the amount of times that spell check has ruined my flow or just what like i hate it i can't write in google docs especially but even word has gotten really bad i used to back uh when i was like first really starting to get into writing i had this pretty clunky compact laptop and i had mm-hmm. an old version of word um where i could like it, w- it was just really intuitive to be able to add words i, I did a lot of fantasy writing back then mm-hmm. and so as we all was, did <laughs> yeah, like it was necessary to be able to, you know, like add the names you were making up and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I did really like that. But I, as I've gotten older, have started to be a little scrappier. So sometimes mm-hmm. I will continue a draft on paper and then I'll type it in a little bit later. Um, and my process has definitely changed a good bit. The closest How much I of get, uh, fumes have you written like that? Like half paper, half uh, online? Uh, all of it, I guess. I mean, I, I would say the, the majority of what I've kept has all been drafted just like in Word on my laptop. But yeah. I do, I, I have kind of a snake-like approach to writing. I'll often write a short story or what I think is a short story that has the same characters, but it's like a different time in their lives or something. And I'll, I'll try to dramatize whatever's going on there. And that's how I'll get a lot of the like good nuggets of character that mm-hmm. might in stumbling blocks along the way for like the main narrative. And that's yeah. kind of a workaround that I've found to avoid the uh, experience we were talking about earlier of getting 20, 25k words in and realizing that a crucial mistake has been made that's <laughs> yeah. on almost every page along the way yeah so what i'm hearing is that you're uh, you've sort of finished work on fumes and there is definitely a novel lingering in the back is that right yeah yeah so the best way i can describe this story is that it's kind of like my mixtape 
I am yeah. intentionally making it a little more raw. I have friends and family reading it and I want to for sure make sure that I've done my due diligence to make sure that it's grammatically correct and that I'm, yeah. you know, that I've, that I've polished it up so that it's to the level sentence by sentence that it would be in a book in a store. But yeah. I don't, I don't really want the distribution of like books in a Barnes and Noble for this first thing, because I would so much rather show with the first major piece that I'm putting out. Like this is what I do on my own. Like you're not yeah. getting any kind of any kind of corporate influence, any kind of groupthink influence. There's nothing coming from a publisher to put pressure on the story, to make it into a form that would sell better. Like, I just, I want to put out the story how I, how I want to put it out for my first thing. And then we'll see from there. Hopefully yeah. this will do well enough. And, uh, that in like a, a few years I can be to a place where I've got a novel to put out, you know, and I've yeah. got a, got to deal with a legit publishing house and I'm doing it the old fashioned way in terms of distribution, but I've gotten so much inspiration over the years from hip hop, really like rappers mm, yeah. era. I was heavy on hot new hip hop dat piff when I was like in middle school, high school. And <laughs> yeah, those, those, those guys like, um, who were really putting out mixtapes consistently Wayne and Meek Mill and Mac Miller, yeah. like that was so inspiring to me. I would say yeah. more so than like the fiction I was reading at that time. Yeah. I have a very similar, uh, I, I resonate similarly to, I don't know if musicians for some reason, uh, mine is a little bit different. I am like more inspired by the work ethic and the struggle that the artists go through before their first album, like kind of similar mm -hmm. to yours. Like I, people don't really know a lot about this cause I guess he doesn't really talk about it, but Ed Sheeran, he like went away from home when he was 16 and for four and a half years, like skipped couches on his friend's houses in London just to try to make it, try to be selling rock CDs from his rucksack and like going on the corners and just like busking it out. And then when he gets his first deal, we're like, oh my God, overnight success. But he's like, no, I've been here for five years. You just noticed right now. And I love that mindset because now I'm like, oh no, he, now he's selling like a hundred thousand seats per night as opposed to like just yeah. selling CDs. And that's like the level or the aspiration that we all want to get to. Like our work is so beloved that people really come out in droves to support it. Yeah, that phase of the career that, that you key in on the most is the one that we're both technically in, you know? It's yeah. like the, you know, it's the before the, before the break, pre-break. Yeah, I just feel like, um, I don't know, for writers at least, uh, that break comes out comes really late in their lives. Like you don't, you never see like Paulini excluded uh, and Ruby Core excluded, <laughs> I guess. Off the table. Yeah, yeah. That's like a natural, that's not, that's not supposed to happen, but there we go. Yeah. Like some of the anomalies excluded, usually you get a publishing deal in your mid thirties, early forties, like Khalil Lusania. I really, I'm really inspired by Khalil Lusania as well. And he like mm -hmm. finished a whole medical degree before he even thought about writing. And then after he wrote, no, he I didn't, didn't get that. published. Yeah, he's a doctor. He's the guy who wrote Kite Runner, right? The Kite Runner, I... yeah. The Kite Runner. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Kite yeah. Runner. It's like, that was his first that was his first novel, by the way. That's insane crazy. to me. That's I remember crazy. my mom reading that when I was young. Yeah. He has a very funny story where he talks about how like when he was is a practicing doctor, like 
his fans would come to see him and like not they wouldn't have anything wrong with them just wanted like a book sign and whatnot and he was like okay at that point i was like i decided to like like take a pause from from practicing medicine but like yeah. he was again in his mid-30s and for me i don't know if this is the same about you but the psychology that i have i always feel like time is running out i'm always like it's it's over for me even though i'm like 26 i'm like it's over it's gone well, nobody exactly hey pause we're, we're almost the exact same age i just turned 27 I'm I'm gonna turn 27 in August, so cool. okay. 96. Sorry. You're a 96 baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, really? same. 96. Wow. Okay. Cool. I didn't. I just didn't realize we were like the exact same age. Didn't mean to. <laughs> well, I guess did I did. I look, but that was exciting. Did me. I look? Do, wait. Do I look older or younger? Give me. Give, give it to me straight. I just assumed you were like two years older than me. Really? I don't know. Okay, why. I'll take, I, that. I'll maybe, take maybe, that. Maybe it's your well-groomed beard. <laughs> I don't do this myself. This is a very like this is a household effort. We have input from everywhere. This is not my I cannot. It's a whole team behind the beer. It's a whole team behind it, yeah. Um But yeah, so uh yeah, I would just I always feel like time is running out and I don't know if you feel the same way or you I'm just impatient about how I wanna get about it. Yeah, I uh really good learning moment for me when I was in college, I had to write a thesis for one of my majors. So I majored in English and I majored in media studies. The media studies is where the internet know-how and marketing mostly comes into play. But the, I mean, the one that I like was there for that I really like was passionate about at the time was uh, my English major. And so within that, I was in this little area program called uh, uh it was the area program in literary prose which is a really like honestly pretentious way of saying creative writing yeah. um and because they so, know if they put creative writing it'd just be like any high school class but they had to go like deep into the oh my god the nomenclature yeah. and all that yeah so um for that major i had to write a thesis and i wanted to write a novel and then publish it not too long after i graduated so that was my goal going into my last year of undergrad was to finish a novel and like be writing right out of right out of my undergrad experience. And Chris Tillman, who I mentioned earlier, pumped the brakes on that. Like I came to him with like a lot of the material that I'd been working on, like before we even started the thesis class. And he basically was like, this is impossible. Like, I know you're ambitious. Like, I know you really, uh, like want to do this, but like, don't. And it was <laughs> the best. It, like, it was such great advice because he could tell that I was like trying to break my back to do it. And he ba like, maybe at this point I'm probably embellishing a little bit, but what I, I'll just give you what I got out of it. What I got out yeah. of it is like, there's a, no point in me rushing. Like, even if I could, finish a decent novel in that amount of time, why would I put that artificial pressure on myself? Because the ideas that I'd be opened up to after I got out of my college bubble would make the work that much better too. And mm. like, he didn't, like he didn't spell all of this out, but, and he also didn't say like, he didn't have even the authority to be like, absolutely not. But I just, I just really respect him for that conversation that he had with me. He was just like, he basically was like, Hey man, like pump the brakes. Like life is, I got out of it that life is long. Like, and the more I, the more I live, the better I'll end up being. Um, yeah. it was, it was good advice. It was like hard to hear at the time, but it was like excellent advice. 
For me, like the I, I'm pretty sure you've read On Writing by Stephen King. Yeah, I have. So there's that there's that one chapter in it, like in in the first half of the book, where he's not giving the writing advice, but the memoir half of it, where he's talking mm-hmm. about the first time he got his the call from his publisher that said that Carrie sold for five hundred thousand. Do you remember that scene? Like that scene is so imprinted in my mind that I like I cried when I read it. I was like, this is oh, this wow. is like a dream. This is like exactly how I thought my first time would be hasn't happened yet, but I'm assuming that's what it's going to be. And I'm just like, when is it going to happen? And then it struck me because I did the math. He was like 26. He was my age when that yeah. happened. And I was like, gutted. I was like, Oh no. Cause I reread that, not like that memoir once a year. That's one of the, my favorite works by him by all time. Like that's one of the best uh, works of fiction as well, not works of fiction. I should say works of literary, I don't know, uh, memoirs, I guess, where he like, it's just, Great advice plus, like, great life advice as well. And I was so moved by that chapter. But then I was, again, putting myself on the clock. And, I like, that's the number one struggle that I have, which I'm, I just feel like, I don't know. I'm, uh, there's, I don't know. Like, this is the number one block that I have. And I wish I could speak with Mr. Tillman as well because I'd be like, Tillman, give me the advice. I need to get out of here. It, it, I mean, it's hard, like, especially when you want something that badly to, to yeah. chill out. Um Great. I mean, great, I'll, so greatest overall bit of advice that I've ever gotten just yeah. for like Hit being, being honest, but particularly a writer, um, yeah. this is from Juno Diaz is to read and live. He, he was like, don't even like, if you're going to, if you're going to be a writer, like the, cra- like the craft, you'll like, you'll get there. You'll put in the hours. That'll be almost natural. But your job as the artist, as the writer is to read widely, deeply, diversely, like spend your time, especially when you're younger, absorbing great stuff, but also pulpier stuff, like yeah. put yourself out of your comfort zone, really branch out and also make sure you're traveling, you're living your life, you're being there for your loved ones. You're like being truly present in your life as you're, yeah. you're beginning to age out of your childhood and gain the perspective that's gonna be your ultimate tool as you're going through you know the process of drafting a novel and you can distill that to read and live it's a really powerful bit of advice yeah isn't i think Hemingway was the one who said uh in order to write you must first live and like i totally agree with that but i don't know i guess that's just a little impatient yeah 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 and it's, you know, it's good. Like, like you're a go-getter. You've, you've got like other ventures too, as I mean, as do <laughs> yeah. I. And, uh, yeah. it, it's, it, it must just kind of come with modern times plus artistic temperament. Like, I don't know. That's a, by the way, that's a great segue into what I was just about to get into was uh, the whole TikTok aspect of, um, of, of what you do. Uh, because I yeah. obviously, uh, like most people probably watching this, discovered you on, on my For You page. And I was like, who is this Bob Dylan looking guy who's recommending me Corbin <laughs> McCarthy? And I swear, I'm not kidding. I, I picked up uh, The Passenger and Stella Marie because of you. I already had The Road on my bookshelf. I was like, I don't know, Corbin McCarthy. Because all the Goodreads suggestions are just like, this is the most darkest, bleakest novel you'll ever read. You're going to be <laughs> depressed. And then uh, I don't know if you follow Better Than Better Than Food, the YouTube channel. Which, who, love him. He, he's the man. Yeah. I, yeah. He's, he's, I would love I, I, Love him. Uh, he he was like also like this is the and he reads some really dark stuff 
And even he yeah. was like, this is, this is as dark as it gets. So I was always like put off by it. But then I just, uh, I made a whole YouTube video about this, but I took the road. It was in my backpack. I read it on my honeymoon and I kid you not. I was like, I was like, screw William, man. Like, why did I recommend this right now? I was like, again, I was in Malaysia, which is like the Maldives for poor people because it's super cheap. And like turquoise waters, mountains, like, you know, I'm talking about like the summeriest summer summers ever. And I just got married and like my wife's there. She's reading like Colleen Hoover and I have like right. the, the road and I'm like, what is going to happen to these people? <laughs> That's a bleak book to have on your honeymoon, man. Yeah, yeah, honestly. So how did, how did the whole TikTok thing start? T- talk to me about it. Because again, uh, you inspired me to do more TikTok as well because I had given up on it. And then I just put in more effort and it's kind of oh. working in my favor as well. So I didn't want to hear the whole thing. How, who, who put you up in front of a camera? Was it on your own accord? How did you know that that style of you just 15 seconds, this is the best book you're going to read, go read it. That style of um, TikTok would, would do well or did you? Sure. Yeah. Um, there's a whole story there. First though, congrats on getting married. That's, Thank uh, you. that's big. That happened recently, like within yes, the last um, year. Yeah. Past. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Uh, three months, three months ago, I got married in January. <laughs> right on. Yeah. I yeah. got the ring to prove it too. Yeah. The hard yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I got to wear this. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so the TikTok thing was kind of wild. Like honestly, my, my intentions were twofold when I first started my TikTok account, my Instagram and my YouTube. I really wanted to put some pressure on myself to learn more about the modern state of publishing, sharing books. Like I just wanted to like get in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end goal there was to hopefully like start to make some money too, but also have platforms to be able to share my own fiction eventually, um, the the vast majority of what I post indefinitely is going to be me essentially recommending things that I love. You'll notice that I don't, I don't bash books. I'm, I'm not negative about books. I, I like to keep that to myself. So if I, if I read a book and I don't like it, you're not going to hear me harp on about it. I might mention it like offhand, especially in like a longer video, but I do really like to keep things like short and positive. Um, and it's probably, uh, it's probably that natural inclination that like helped me get to my kind of core format on TikTok. But, um, at first I just threw like a bunch of paint at the wall because the other, I mentioned my motivations were twofold. So the, the other motivation was I am a marketer professionally. So like I have, uh, I have clients and I advertise on a lot of different social media platforms as well as on Google. And the short form video space was one that I wanted to know more about. And I wanted to yeah. like experiment with communicating um, like on TikTok and in that way. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, obviously, like he's a, he's a household name at this point, but yeah. he's been a huge... He's been a huge like influence on my my thoughts really for a long time. So like this was an idea yeah. that I had been considering for quite a while, making these accounts. And then this past summer, I I started training for a marathon. Um, and right yeah. around the time I was like making that mental frame shift, I was like, it's also time to give these accounts a go. So I just yeah. dove in head first with 
a plan to like get better and figure it out and just like share my passion for fiction like that 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 I knew was going to be core and um the format the the especially the 15 second kind of book reveal format um was directly inspired by TikTok cuz I saw you've seen these videos of people holding a book and it's like you know maybe on some bed sheets or something and it's like a book that made me cry myself to yeah. sleep and then you know and there's like maybe a sound that gives it a little bit of energy so you're like ah oh, what's it going to be what's it going to be and so I was and like, they flip well, it over. <laughs> yeah. and, and then they flip it over at the very end. Yeah. I was like, what if I take that format, but like I speak to the book and I'm, I'm communicating. Like I do know uh, about myself that I am a pretty solid communicator. Like I know that I'm able to find ways to get my point across, especially if you give me enough, like at bats, I'll, I'll figure out like how to do it. And yeah. so I just, that kind of confidence in myself to kind of speak behind the book, but honestly, like rip off that same like book reveal format was mm. that's like how it came to be. And at first I didn't really realize that I was like the only one doing that. But then when my overstory video popped, that's when I realized like, oh, like, yeah, I've started doing kind of a new thing here. Um, this is cool. And I've just doubled down and tried to get better at it since. I've seen, I, including myself, like I copy your format as well, but I've seen so many copycats after the fact. Some like to the T. I was like, is this a William video? And then, this, <laughs> and then, and I think somebody also gave you credits, which was like, I, I just want to thank William for the, for the format, which I was also like, this is, you got to give props to the man who started it all. Uh, but did you immediately find success or was it like over a few videos where they started popping off? It, it took a couple months. Um, it's it's important to add here though that like I don't I don't have like much personal ownership over that format. Like I don't feel like it's my thing. Like I actually yeah. I love it when I see people use the format, though mm -hmm. it it is much easier to swallow when like the first times they're doing it, they do kind of like just mention like. Thanks, Will. You know, yeah, like you know, yeah. they give you like a little bit of a nod, but that you know, it's it's not like it's not like mandatory. The, the only thing that I uh, don't really appreciate is kind of disingenuous uses of the format. Mm. I don't really like like that does rub me a little bit the wrong way. I'll never like really confront people about it or anything because um, I think that's what? silly. Like ultimately, TikTok is for fun. But, like, what, what do you mean by that though? Like, what do you mean dis like when people are like showing off or people, are they like? They don't yeah, particularly I, like the book. Yeah. So, uh, to, yeah. So when people use the format, but then they're not really giving the viewer useful information, they're kind mm -hmm. of, they're making like a satire of the whole like format. And then they're just mm -hmm. like, when they reveal the title, like that, that tends to rub me the wrong way. I don't really, I don't really mm -hmm. like that because it, it kind of, um, it has its it has like a time and place like obviously sometimes people find that like really entertaining and it yeah. is inevitable that there are going to be sort of like comedic flips on the format but yeah i suppose i'm just too passionate about <laughs> sharing good information that i don't like to see it kind of warped in that way yeah no i i totally get that but that was such a genius move on your part uh 
to show your face while you're talking about it. Because the TikToks that you mentioned before where the book is on the thing and it's turning over, I don't remember who recommended those to me. Even if I did read them and I love them, I don't know who recommended that. But I know for a fact that you recommended The Road to me. And I and I read it and I loved it. So like I have a face, I, I can thank someone, I have a face to like connect the idea with. Uh, did you think of that? Because that's a very good marketing tool. Again, marketing background comes in where you like know how to sell yourself. So like every time I see your face, I'm like, oh, he's going to give me a good recommendation. It's not just a name. It's like a proper face was talking to me. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah, that's for sure integral to the, the format. I, I really, I, I suppose I want my name and my face behind everything that I'm saying. Like I don't want to hide. And so that's part of it too is like, if I'm going to come out on the internet and say like, this is the best book I've read this year. Like I want to, I want to own that, you know, and yeah. it has obvious like positive um, ramifications too. For me, like um, you'll remember it was me and then you'll, you'll either follow me or like go back to me. If you, if you liked the recommendation and um, something that's something that I don't think enough people understand is that I'm also not reading a lot of these books in real time. Like I, I often see comments from people like, how do you read these books so fast? Like you got to understand, like this is coming from like a lifetime of me yeah. reading. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not finishing, especially these longer books in like one day. Like there's yeah. this, there's this book I recommended, The Hemingses of Monticello that took me mm -hmm. like years to chip away at. It took me yeah. years. Yeah. To um, and like when I finally did, I was like, all right, like, time to share this but yeah um yeah i'm drawing from my i'm castle. always i'm always like surprised uh and then i found out like one of my favorite uh you booktubers youtubers is jack edwards i don't know if you follow him as well he's, he's yeah he's a man he's he's really good at what he does exactly and i i think like, he's one of my inspirations as well for the youtube side of things and he does this very popular series called the celebrity book club where he reads books recommended by celebrities and i was like how yeah. is he reading like these 600 page books in like three days and then i realized after that he probably has already because i saw him use the same book in a different video and i was like oh yeah. you've already read that so like the video is easier because you already know what you're going to talk about so like i totally get that and i started doing that as well where i was like okay so let me go back and see what books impacted me the most. And I don't want to talk about those. So I did a video on Life of Pi. I was like, this is my favorite coming of age story. And and then same similarly with The Road, I was like, this is, this just, man, cause, can we talk about Cormac McCarthy for a second? Because The Road, yeah, uh, I read it like two, a week and a half ago, I finished it. So I, I was reading it and like I said, during my honeymoon, I had to put it down because I was genuinely getting depressed. Uh, but not not in a bad way, in like one of the best ways ever, because I was feeling gloomy and I and I wanted to be with these characters. I wanted to know what happened to these this father and son. And the last fifteen pages, I have never bawled this much in my life. I was genuinely crying. It was like vision blurred, lump in the throat, like two a.m. Had to finish it, and it was just. What did you think about that? Like after that, I just didn't want to read anything else. I have had. Um, so I, I had a similar experience to you. It was a huge yeah. emotional release for me when I finished the book. I'm sure it was that much more intense to be on your honeymoon reading about yeah. the sacrifices of a father for his child. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been super intense. Um, yeah. but his, his, his books really do put me in some sort of altered state, especially if I 
am just finishing one for the first time at that and it, that state lasts for like a day or two i don't i don't really um it's not like an exciting thing but i just like exist in that like state of like i just got the the final the final piece of this um like masterful masterful work of art and i just like linger there usually it's it's a pretty depressing space to be in but it's cathartic in a lot of ways and it's really centering and humbling um which i think comes a lot from his like almost godlike voice that he uses that really that really does it for me like i yeah. it must be something about that kind of like old testament type of approach <laughs> yeah. that just like hits home for me for whatever reason but um yeah like if i had if i had to pick one writer like to call my favorite writer it would probably be him although like i would i would hesitate to to give him that number one it's a it's a bit of a toss-up between a few all right so give me give me your greatest of all times give me the top three right now sure so uh it, yeah so it comes so uh different formats factor in for sure okay. i haven't read enough poetry to be able to be like these are my like because i just haven't like read widely enough for poetry sure, yeah. um for short stories Amy Hempel, Raymond Carver, a lot of other people who uh, uh, were edited by Gordon Lish, um, also Flannery O'Connor. So those those would be the okay. ones I would. So for just pause right there, Flannery O'Connor. I've never I've never read them. I don't know if they're a girl or or, or a boy, but I've never read them. Uh, but I've heard so much about that. Like I know Conan O'Brien's favorite writer is Flannery O'Connor as well. What is yeah, about she... the writing that 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 like is so engaging? Yeah, so she's a she's a southern writer. I never know like to what extent southern writing uh hit like is that much more gripping to me because I am like from the American South, but yeah. um she uh was writing in kind of like the mid 1900s um and she just has a full mastery over the format. None mm -hmm. of it's it's less that like she has a couple of stories that are transcendent and like you absolutely must read them. So like examples of those that I can think of would be like a rose for Emily by William Faulkner that gets read by like a lot of people. Um, what is it like most, like a most dangerous game, like that one on the, on the Island. Um, but Flannery O'Connor's floor, like her worst stuff, you can't even pick out because like her standard is just like so impossible so high. Yeah. across the board. And she writes about so many different sorts of people that like the more stories you read by her, the more obvious it is that like, she's like, she's like one of the most deeply empathetic and like human writers um, that, that we have at least like, uh, like, again in the south so like for that's kind of how i see her writing she's mm -hmm. just like she's just short stories are really demanding i think they're uh they're probably they've got to be like about on par with like writing great poetry like a great short story great poetry but like as far yeah. as prose goes like you can't you can't have like a single incorrect word like you're, you're yeah you can't muck about no yeah, yeah. And, and she just like for that, for that reason mainly, like her, her and Hempel, just like 
just have got it, man. They're just they're just so good. They're like Jordan and Kobe. Like like I, <laughs> I can't I can't really I'm, pick. I'm a bit them. surprised that I didn't hear Hemingway or or Fitzgerald in your in your top three. They're they're up there for sure, but yeah. um, they're like a, I guess that much further removed. There's something about Hempel's stories being like so so modern and like so about the times that we yeah. live in now that her her work like speaks to me more. Um, there's definitely a lot of like masters who I could point to. Like um, I guess oh, and it's an it's important to uh, make the distinction between like who the greatest are and like who I, who are like the best to me, like my okay. favorite. I, yeah. I would say that's, that's more so what I'm speaking to here. Like if I had okay. to be like objective about it, I feel like there's some Russian writers that we would have to throw in the mix. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'd, have to, we'd have to have a long conversation to get to the bottom of yeah. that. Yeah. For um, sure. And yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, just quickly though. I want to, uh, finish answering your question. Like, because uh, I, I just view short stories so differently from from novels, just because it's a different format. Yeah. Uh, but when it com- when it comes to novels, though, um, and again, this is like these are the people who are like the best to me. Um, McCarthy, Morrison, and Cervantes, like Don Quixote, okay. just like by itself. Holy shit. <laughs> I have not read. I haven't read Don Quixote. It's a grind, but it's so impossibly modern. Like when I, I, I like, I was so it struck. funny. I heard it's funny, hilarious. Yeah, it's like a the main character is a knight who like believes in his own fantasies, so he's like attacking windmills and stuff. But like, <laughs> and, but he thinks they're like dragons or whatever. Yeah, and it's so like it's so like full of heart and like. I like I need to read it again. I read it like two or three years ago, but um yeah. Gotta put that, it in there. That that's a good top three. So Tony Morrison is who we were talking about. No, not Tony Morrison. Um, yeah, Tony Morrison. No, Tony Morrison, right? right? Which what is uh, your favorite work from him? Uh so so it's a woman actually, um, which yeah. is super confusing just like when you hear her name, because like Tony, like you yeah. know, it's an Italian guy. Um yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's it's spelled it's spelled T O N I, so I haven't I haven't read all of her novels. I'm about to start Song of Solomon. I I took I had a couple false starts with it. Her most her most famous and for good reason is Beloved. Like that oh, yeah. has a lot of significance, especially like when we look at the time it was published and like the works that it influenced after. But my and personal it turned favorite, into a movie as well, I believe. Um. Yeah, might have. Although I just like I don't uh, I don't keep up with uh, adaptations well enough to know. Sure, like they're sure. they're very well they're very well could be an adaptation. Like there's yeah. one for all the pretty horses, the yeah. role, and like I just can't bring myself to watch more than the trailer. Like it just doesn't a look lot of, like a lot of McCarthy books have been turned into movies. The best one probably um, No Country for Old Men, but yeah, uh, yeah a lot of his stuff gets turned in, and I, I'm surprised that it does because it doesn't seem as uh, as popular as it. As it would be, but here it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Sula, Sula by Toni Morrison is, yep. is my personal favorite. Um, I read that uh, in my last year of college. It was once again Chris Tillman making a, an appearance in our conversation, but he was yep. he was the one who signed it. Um, yep. and those were some of the best conversations 
I've had like in a like class setting um, was was like those discussions like about that book. All and of then, us really loved it at the time. I remember how many in response. How many hours a day are you reading? Like to, like on average, about an hour. It's less than I would like, but I do binge on weekends if I can. Um, just the constraints of working a lot make it tough. And that's yeah. probably another thing that people like, they would assume that I read a lot more than I do. And I would, I just can't. And so, and what is your phone screen time like? Cause mine's hitting like uh, four hours. <laughs> yeah, I think I can, I could pull up receipts, but I'm pretty sure I'm in like the five ish range usually. And doesn't that frustrate you? Cause you're, doesn't that like frustrate you because you're just like oh my god that's five hours that i could have been writing or reading or just like doing something that isn't as mentally taxing as going through your cell phone like that's one yeah. of my other struggles that i'm going through which is like oh my god how do i decrease this screen time i've had all sorts of like uh you know locks on these on the apps and you know uh, 15 minutes for tiktok which is impossible by the way I don't <laughs> yeah, <recommend that's> it. <laughs> yeah and it's like I, I'm, that's the number one thing that I'm struggling with. And I would love to talk to you about that if that's also something you're going through. Yeah. So I used to struggle with that a lot more before I made the accounts that I have. And now yeah. I definitely, I justify probably more time on my phone than I should. Mm -hmm. um, if I could, in a, in a perfect world, I would spend probably two hours tops on my phone. It is, yeah. it's just so hard to like, it's so hard to cut back because like I need I need to be checking email for work. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different things that I use my phone for. But um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a constant struggle to carve out time to read when also like we have to feed ourselves. We have to oh, yeah. keep exercise routine. You know, it's like something's got to give. Um, and yeah. I don't I don't want it to be reading. I don't want it to be writing. But there are weeks where it's like, I just can't prioritize either. Yeah, it's uh, and then I don't know about you, but then I feel like completely empty from inside. I'm like, I for me, it's like I need to get my creative outlet out. Otherwise, I feel very sad and like very down on myself. And then as soon as yeah. I make a video or write something, I'm up and jovial again. Yeah, I can I can relate to that for sure. There's such like a um, deep rooted link for me between writing out stories and having my view of the world fully integrated and aligned, that it is a need for me. I think it, it, it took me a really long time to figure out the difference between journaling and writing fiction because ah. yes. Cause when at, at like the beginning of college, I just made like a full on switch to writing realistic, like it's set in like modern times fiction. And so a lot of like what my characters would be going through and like oftentimes they'd be pretty similar like to me would be yeah. things that I was struggling with in real life too. So I'm like making a story out of being heartbroken because I just like mm -hmm. got broken up with or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and, and like, yeah. I feel like that's also common practice um, with musicians. So uh, sure. at least because I did the same thing with my first poetry book was like I, where I should have been at therapy and trying to like work through these feelings that I was having, I was writing them down trying to make a profit. <laughs> I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. There's a lot of therapy sessions I should have had that just ended up <laughs> stories instead. 
Exactly, exactly. And uh, not, like looking back now, I laugh at it because like it was obviously you're young and you don't really know how to maneuver those things yet, and you're not uh, self-aware enough to know like, hey, this isn't. This should be more of like a me thing. Okay, I'm writing a poem about it, but I don't need to post it. Um, but <laughs> but after a while, uh, you do sort of start to realize that at least with the journaling situation that you were talking about, when I could start differentiating that this, these are thoughts that I'm having that need to be put down on paper, but not necessarily read by everyone. And these are like genuine like ideas that I'm having that I wanted to share. Um, my writing process also got a lot easier. Do you journal every day? Not every day, but it comes in waves for me. Like when I know that I'm really struggling to work through something, yeah. I, I, I lean into journaling more. Um, I would say that I never go more than a couple of weeks without sitting mm. down and, and, and writing, but it's, it's on like an as needed basis journaling. For and me. is it longhand or is it on the, on the computer? Yeah, I use, so I ha I have like, um, a couple of moleskins that I've filled mm. up just like kind of over the years, but re like recently I've been using a yellow legal pad for some reason. Um, it's very Seinfeld yeah. of you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's always by hand though. It's always by hand. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm like in, uh, in between, a, so I'm working at a, on a video about like doing morning pages for 30 days. I'm like on day 16 right now. And man, that's really given me clarity on just like the day okay. and, and like just what I'm talking about. Cause I get like my feelings out and then I'm like, okay, so now, now I can like actually work through the ideas that I've had throughout the day. Uh, I do recommend that. I, I, I think for writers, especially when you, cause there's always, um, I think, uh, Chris Martin puts it like when you're songwriting or writing any, anything, the first, like, it's like opening a dirty faucet and like the first 10 seconds or, or the first initial is just going to be like gunk. And then the clean water starts pouring out and it's like that for like morning pages for me, which is like just the gunk is out and then now I have like the clarity right. to write whatever I want to. That's cool, man. Yeah, I, I definitely have a lot of like um, kind of personal experiments left to run and yeah. I would include having a more rigid journaling practice like in yeah. the mix there. I've, I've not done my due diligence to figure out how it best fits into my life. And I think it is because of how long it took me to figure out like this thing that I'm trying to put down on paper. It's mm -hmm. not a story. It's, it's something that I just am working through that needs to be yeah. in a separate space. Yep. And, uh, so what are the plans for the, uh, for the future, for the YouTube channel, for the TikTok? Are you just going to keep grinding out? What, what's going I'm on? About, I'm actually about to do like a full day of planning tomorrow. So I've carved yeah. out my Saturday to literally whiteboard, whiteboard my future. Um, so yeah. we do it all day, but, uh, the, the immediate plan is to finalize fumes. And so mm -hmm. I would say that's the number one focus. I've got trusted friends and family reading it now and it's yeah. in its kind of like penultimate form. So yeah. I felt, I felt like it was definitely good enough to be read. Um, yeah. So like, you know, I was on draft, like infinite out of, yeah. all, you know, like yeah. penultimate, like, yeah. like I'd been for a long time. Um, but I'm, I'm close to finalizing that. And so that's, that for sure this year is my main focus. I would, I would love to be able to get it out in the summer, ideally early summer, but that might be a little too ambitious because I want to make yeah. sure that I have 
um, the ability to sell like physical copies. Cause I think that's really important. And I want physical copies too. Like I, I want to have like my own story on, on my shelf and be able to be like, yeah. I can look at it and be like, I know how much of my life went into that thing. And there it is. Uh, also, so what are you what are you looking into for that? Like, are you looking at Amazon Publishing, Ingram Spark, all yeah, that stuff? Yeah, I've done a bit of canvassing of like what the options are there, and ideally, I ideally I'll be able to have like different iterations of it. But um, I have this I have in my head that it would be cool to have a limited number of essentially like the the like first edition copies. And I'll like, I'll either like sign them or like number them or ha like have something like kind of special about each one. And then yeah. I, I do give like a lot of those away, um, but have just like a really cool, like limited, unique, uh, like printing for, for the book. Hey, man, we'll, we'll see if it happens. You were looking dapper in your author photo shoot though. I'm just going to say that I just did it on <laughs> thank Instagram. You, thank you. I don't know if people have seen that yet, but definitely go check out his Instagram. Right. Instagram. Those pictures are, are amazing. Um, I'm really excited about. The I'm really excited about your short story, man. Like, I'm I'm genuinely like interested. Uh, I would love to buy a physical copy as well, whenever it's available. So definitely count me in in your uh, early uh, wish list. People um, signed copy would be great as well. Uh, but like, I'm just happy that uh, it's. For writers especially, it's very hard to find like-minded people. And I feel like the internet, if anything, has given us this opportunity to where like you and I could be across borders and talk about the same interests, same things that we like, uh, different yeah. backgrounds, different uh, brought-ups. But here we are uh, sharing our same similarities about exactly like the thing that we love, which is writing. Um, any finishing oh, thoughts but... before uh, uh, anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, really just thank you, man. This, this has been a really good conversation and, um, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Yeah, man. I'm totally, you were like this new season that we started. I wanted to get all the people that I genuinely, uh, admire and you were on the top of that list. So I'm glad that you said yes and, and came on. Um, uh, so that was it. That was it for William Dozier guys. Uh, if you want to check out all of the, our other stuff on the podcast, the links are in the doobly doo below as John Green would say it. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you, William. Thank you.